Hi, my name is Taylor Woods. I'm a defender for the Toronto Six. I'm also a pro strong woman competing in the U64 class. You can find me on T Woods Training on Instagram. And you are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams. And you know I'm never alone because of my abandonment issues. Ladies and gentlemen, I have with me my friend, colleague, somebody who I once helped move a bunch of stuff he got from an auction to his mother's, back to his place in Toronto, and then I had to take the god-awful TTC back home. But he's one of my homeboys. I love him to death, and he knows everything about NFTs. So if you check out our website, Pro Sports Podcasters, he's always pumping out an article about something football-related, to the point where I think I'm now an expert at the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my good friend, Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? I'm solid, buddy. I'm solid. How you doing today? I am living the dream and as you know, I've been spending a lot of time in Saskatchewan recently on tour. And uh, not to say it's not going to happen again, but as you know, I won tickets to go see a Riders game. So I'll be flying out of Ontario to go s- to see uh, the Riders play on the 16th of September. And our guest happens to know Saskatchewan just a little bit. He's a decorated veteran of the NHL. This man played from 1988 to 2005 professionally. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Pedersen. Mark, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Literally any time. So I have to start off with this. What was it like being a kid from Saskatchewan and just absolutely doing so well for himself in a major market? Well, I didn't spend a whole bunch of time there, to be honest with you. I, I, I was born in a little town called Prelate, Saskatchewan, and uh, I know the mayor personally. It's a population uh, currently of 112, unless that's changed in the last uh, few weeks. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they actually had a hockey rink, believe it or not. I never uh, was pretty much abandoned by the time... Uh, I was there like so many things uh, as as things go along with time and I think it was still open a bit uh, but I moved into Medicine Hat uh, just under two years old. Uh, Unfortunately my my dad passed a battle with cancer and uh, I have uh, five older siblings, uh, three brothers and two sisters and uh, I'm I'm, I'm the young one of the family. I'm uh, I'm 54. My oldest brother, I think, 72. So um, big gap in age and and whatnot. So I uh, grew up Medicine Hat for the most part, but still have the family farm out there. Brother took it over and uh, go out uh, help put in the crops uh, some years as I got older and uh, clean up and all that type of stuff. So still still got some roots out there. Love going out to the farm. That is so interesting. You mentioned Medicine Hat because. Uh, so when I was I was on tour, I was I'm a stand-up comedian, and I realized that people from Regina don't like people from Saskatoon. People from Saskatoon don't like people from Regina, but both of those cities don't like people from Prince Albert for whatever reason. <laughs> and all three of those people don't like people from Medicine Hat, and Medicine Hat's just okay with it for some reason. They're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. 
Yeah, a lot of retired uh, Saskatchewan people uh, in the hat there, though. So can't Is be it? all that bad. Yeah, I tons. mean, yeah. I mean, when I when I went by to do a show, I noticed that the crowd was a little bit older, but nobody ever said they were retired. They just said the what did they say? The cold stops them from aging is what they told me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I was like, all right, dude, I don't know. You look 54, but I guess you're like 112. I don't know how this works. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, Mark. So like you said, there was a tiny rink where you you know, were born. Of course, you didn't start playing there. What got you into hockey to begin with? Um, well, my, my, my whole family's pretty sports, uh, orientated, uh, baseball and, and hockey, volleyball, ping pong, whatever. So my, my older siblings were, were pretty active in it. And, and, uh, you know, just like any other kid in Canada, for the most part, you know, you get playing street hockey with your friends, friends down the street. And my brothers claim the fame, uh, he never played pro hockey by any means and, and not much hockey at all, but he's, he always says he taught me everything I know about hockey until I was six. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he played a major role in that batting pucks back and forth and whatever else at a young age and, and it just grew from there. Right. And like, did you play at the college, like college level, university level? How did you progress through the, the ranks of hockey? Yeah, I, I grew up medicine had back then. They just had kind of a listing uh, system compared to now where they have the, the mid-bantam draft and all that type of stuff. So played my minor hockey there, uh, was scouted by them. So they put me on the on their list. Uh, actually, at about 12 or 13 years old. Um, went to a few camps there at that time. And then uh, one year a midget, uh, I actually was a D till, till then and, and Russ Farwell, the GM, moved me up to forward because uh, kind of a scoring type uh, guy and, and didn't really play much defense anyway. So it turned out to be a great, uh, great decision. I played uh, as a 16-year-old for four years uh, for the Medicine Hat Tigers and was drafted uh, in my uh, was it second year to Montreal. And, uh, yeah, we were fortunate enough uh, in 87 and 88 to win back-to-back Memorial Cups. Uh, it's only been done a few times in, in, in uh, CHL history. So um, that was a great experience. And then, uh, you know, went on to, to pro hockey after that with the Canadians organization. Oh, right on. Yeah, I'm just looking at your uh, your list here of places you played. And one thing that's always interested me is after a veteran goes from the NHL and then they go to Europe. Now, I noticed that you've spent some time over in the Swedish League. You spent another little bit of time over in the German League. And I believe it was, uh, where was it again? The AUT. What is that one? The Austrian League. Yeah, Austrian League. Let's make sure. So as the as the veteran that you are, what was it like going from different ring sizes, a little bit of different play, different style, once you were kind of in like the latter half of your years? Yeah, no, it was it was one of those things where, you know, if you if you want to put it in simple terms, the NHL dream was over. I had two pretty successful uh, seasons in the American League. Got called up just for a couple games and looked at that Europe as a new challenge. Uh, realistically, to be honest, a chance to make a little bit more money and you know maybe not as physical game that could maybe prolong the career a little bit and and see the world. So. Um, that was kind of the, the reason behind going over. And I guess that being said, your question, yeah, the game's a little different over there. Um, and that was a while ago as well, since, uh, since I played and, and ended up coaching over there, uh, as well. So, you know, it was a great experience, uh, still talk to some people over there, 
um, all these years later, some great friendships uh, within the game and outside the game as well. Uh, I'd love to hear about that. So my nine to five job <clears throat> is I'm a, a security guard, but we do like higher level security. So for instance, there was a wedding we were doing and it was an NHL wedding. Now for the safety of privacy, I'm not going to mention the athlete's name that was there, but he just recently signed with Pittsburgh for a four million, sorry, a four year, $10 million contract. So that's all I could say about the matter, but he was getting married. And in that, I was speaking to some AHL players, and they had said that, they told me, they said, dude, listen, if you're 22 and you're not like the all-star on your team, go to Europe. It's better on your body, you get more pay, and you don't pay as much in, uh, like, dues. Yeah, you don't pay as much over in Europe. Is that is that a statement that you would echo to the younger generation? Yeah, I mean, you know, 22 is maybe a little bit on the young side, but, you know, I think if by, you know, 24, 25, you you haven't got that chance uh, to get up or you've, you've got a cup of coffee for, for a weekend or something that like, like you said, the, those other things are all there, right? It's a chance to make a little more money. It's tax-free in a sense that that's the, the team will pay the taxes on it, but you know what your number is, your apartment's paid for, you get a car to use and, you know, so you're basically putting food on the table and paying 10 bucks compared to Canada for a cell phone, uh, a month and and uh oh, yeah. yeah and then you don't have the nhlpa or phpa dues to pay and and, and those types of things so you know uh, you get treated equally as well i mean the, the setups over there are surprisingly good um from league to league and and uh, dressing rooms are awesome uh you know chance to travel and and, and see uh, different parts of the world and you know i always say you know you go on vacation for for a couple weeks to you know another country but you don't get to get to feel the full part of the culture and, and how the, the, the people interact and live from day to day and which is a which is a great experience as well. Yeah, as you had mentioned earlier, I, I kind of took interest in what you said there where you said when you grew up, basically every kid played hockey and some had it, some didn't. That's not the case anymore. Uh, there was a time when if you were to ask somebody what's the most valuable franchise in Canada, it, there was two answers. It was the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens. Now it's actually the Toronto Raptors, and you don't have as many kids getting into hockey as you used to. How do you think the NHL or Canada in general builds up the hockey market to where it used to be? Yeah, it's a tough call. You know, I, I think you know that has a bit to do with it. I think uh, you know whatever everything from video games to almost dating at a younger age, uh, more emphasis maybe on school and. And those types of things like i'm i'm just in shock like in my community here and i live in calgary now but I remember medicine hat growing up was you know basically you went on one of the side streets and there was always a you know street hockey game going on yes i i haven't seen a street hockey game here ever you know in my community and you know talk to some of the neighbors or they're playing a little bit in the summer or whatever and i'm like this isn't time for street hockey that's a winter thing oh no it's too cold and and whatnot and and we look lot flipping colder uh, way back when than it is now so you know i think there there's a lot of a lot of challenges there and you know what the answers are i i, I don't know if there's there's any one thing but uh you know i i think uh, as you said the some parts of the game have gone down the money at the end is huge and but the investments also are you know a lot more expensive for for and and i am at a prep school this year uh, coaching and you know, so there's a lot of expenses that go into to hockey and travel teams and, and whatever else. And, and the economy's tough these days, you know, life's changed a bit. 
Yeah, I, get, I think the the financial barrier to entry is no small feat. That's for sure. And I mean, I'm not going to go as far back as when you began playing, but you must be familiar with the costs are now and how the technology and equipment has advanced. How much more expensive is it now than it used to be? Well, I I, I don't know what my what my mom paid for uh, for hockey back when, but you know, it was wasn't much at all compared to now. You know that they're bringing in more coaches that they're having to pay you know for example uh, here at international hockey academy uh, prep school where i'm at i mean we've got a personal trainer for the kids we've got skills coaches we got a goalie coach we got uh i mind with uh, bob wilkie i'll give him a plug uh you know as far as you know working on the psychology side of the game the mental side of the game you know so there's there's a lot more tools you know, for, for these kids to be able to use, which is great, but that, that comes with costs as well. You know, I mean, I look back when I played minor hockey, our, our skills coach was uh, my baseball coach in the summer was one of the Zambonis uh, drivers. Jim Hall was his name. And, and so we could get in the rink at lunch hour or after school or 11 o'clock at night or on a holiday and shoot pucks around, you know, where these kids today, you know, I'm doing doing uh, skill stuff all summer, and and they're playing hockey basically year round now. Like it's and that commitment is huge from the parents' side as well. So when you say these kids, what ages are we talking about here? Uh, well, this summer I worked with uh, everything from from twelve year olds to to eighteen year olds, and and my my prep school has got uh, under seventeen program and an under eighteen program as well. Okay, and that and all of those different coaches and development tactics are in play. Hundred percent. It's a great setup. It's crazy. Wow. I wish I had it when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different level, but, man. Yeah. No, but my my mom's ninety seven years old. I don't think there uh, she was able to have have me at a, any later time. She was turned forty three two days after I was born. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's interesting. Uh, we just got uh, one practice in, and then we start up uh, next week full in. So, um, kind of look pretty excited about it. Right on. Yeah. So you mentioned that the uh, the payoff for the end in the NHL is is very rewarding. That's arguably only if you're in the top echelon kind of deal. Would you say that the NHL players, in compared to the other major sports, are extremely underpaid? <laughs> I, well, I mean, when at my era, I think the average guy was making four hundred thousand. You know, now now the minimum is is double that. You know, I mean, uh, um, you know, sports in a lot of ways, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, the pay is is astronomical in whatever sport you're in, right? Okay. You know, I I, I think the. You know, the kids trying to make it, the minors, even in Europe, you know, what they make. You know, that's where I think it's more of a joke. You know, I think the NHL, you know, level of play is, is, is you know, guys making $10 million. Uh, the third line guys making three or four. Like, uh, that's that's pretty good pretty good life. All right, that's fair. I feel like it really depends who you talk to. Because I was um, just drawing back on my experience with that gentleman I was speaking to. He was saying, he's like, dude, if you're, if you're like fourth line, you're not, you're not really paying or playing, sorry, and you're making like, just around like two hundred thousand, I guess. Unless you play in the AHL, where you don't get taxed at all. So he's just like, or not taxed. We don't pay into your dues and stuff like that. So I guess it really depends on how you are as a player and what you feel like you're valued at. But uh, I don't know. It's it's just interesting. I like to, I like to hear from from veterans and then like 
people who are in the industry still. And it's just, it's so interesting how the pay works. Some people think that NHL players are really underpaid. Some like yourself think it's like inadequate pay. So it's just, it's interesting. And you, you bring up a good point. Like if you're a third line, you're not playing too, too much and you're still making a couple mil. So you know, that's before tax. So I don't know if they make after tax and net grow and all that fun stuff, but still good money. So with the height right now of the, the female hockey league going on, like in the, in the, in Canada playing everything right now, do you feel like the women's side of hockey is growing exponentially quicker than it has in recent years? Yeah, I, I, I think it's taken some big steps forward for sure. Um, I coached in Denmark, so that uh, Herning rank where they were playing at uh, won a championship there six, seven years ago. So, you know, but, you know, with scholarships and, and some pro leagues kind of getting off the ground, you know, I think uh, it's definitely uh, moving in a, in a good direction. And, you know, like uh, some of these camps I was doing this summer, was there were some girls uh, in the camps as well. So, you know, definitely, uh, definitely seeing some, some steps forward on the, on the growth of hockey on the women's side for sure. That's, that's amazing. That's what we like to hear at Pro Sports Podcasters. Yeah, Mark, so you've coached all over. How different is it to coach in Europe than it is here? Well, I would say probably the, the biggest difference, you know, if you look at a East Coast or American League, even up to the NHL, you got call-ups, you got send-downs, you got injuries, you got trades, you got guys getting released. Where in Europe, you kind of have, uh, you know, just Denmark, for example, we, we were allowed to have up to eight imports. And financially, it's not cheap to to fire a guy and bring a new guy in. Some leagues, you you only have so many import cards, so you really have to try to do your homework and getting the right players. And then you got your 12, 13, uh, or sorry, yeah, 12, 13 uh, Danish guys. Some are younger, some are veteran guys. And then, you know, your call-up pool is is a little bit... uh, you know, some local kids that are playing like on an under 20 team, they're 18, 19 years old that you're bringing it in for, for call ups. So you, you have to work with what you got, you know, you can't make a trade uh, from, from one team to another. If somebody's not really working out or you want to shake up things, your call up system of your, your drafted players, whether it's from junior or they're down in the American league, they're available. You don't have that. So you really have to nurture and work with with what you got. I think that's probably the biggest difference. Okay, and it, I mean Denmark is not the it's not a hockey powerhouse or anything, but what's what's the response to the teams there as far as the fans go? I think it's improved. You know, the when I first got to Denmark, I was there 7 years and uh, the 6th year we got a new rink which, you know, was a was a big benefit. You know, Europe as a whole, soccer's pretty much number 1 anywhere in Europe. Denmark's other big sport is handball, uh, which we Canadians don't know a whole bunch about. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it as you mentioned, it, it's it's not at the top. You know, Germany, where I was last year, has got one of the best fan bases in, in, in hockey. Uh, you know that I've that I've ever been in. I was talking with Sean Clouston, uh coached around uh, was in Ottawa in junior hockey out here. He coached in, in in the same league I did, the top league in Germany. And you know he's got asked the question, <clears throat> you know, where are the best fans? What buildings and and tough places to play? And I think he said four out of his top five were in Germany. Like it's really chanting and songs, and they all have the jerseys on. They all got scarves. They're there warm-ups almost uh, full house and and 
you know, they're whistling at the referees, they're they're cheering, they're going bananas. Like it's it's a it's a great atmosphere uh, in Germany um, for the fan side of things. Rinks are mostly sold out. Uh, you know, some teams are smaller markets with you know six seven thousand uh, up to Cologne and and Munich. Or uh, Munich's got a brand new rink this year, and, and some of those rinks are up in the eighteen to twenty range. And, oh. and and gets gets rocking pretty good. Uh, even back to my days when I played there, it was uh, um, fantastic fans. Um, really get behind their teams. Wow, I, I would have never guessed that. I would have never guessed that. I mean, Justin, you're a Kraut. Did you know that? Yeah, so I was in Germany in 2017, and uh, Germany had just eliminated the U.S. from the IIHF tournament, and we were in just north of Hamburg, and that place erupted, and it was like a retirement center area. <laughs> so I was like, wow, everyone's watching. It was it was on at like a stupid time, like four in the morning too, but I couldn't sleep because of the time difference. And uh, I was up celebrating, and people in the street were celebrating. It was great. It, was, it made news that morning too, so it was, it was interesting to kind yeah, of see the sure. growth there too. Now... I'm going to ask you a very theoretical question. You're in your prime, okay? We walk through a time machine. You're the best you've ever been. If you could play for one team, NHL, AHL, doesn't matter, Europe, where would you play? Well, right now I'd play for the Colorado Avalanche. (laughs) (laughs) Think they're going to repeat? Obviously Stanley Cup uh, champions, but I love the way they play. They're fast. They're, They're... they're skilled. They they just dominate. Uh, they got they got role players. They got they got everything you need. You know. So they got the superstars. They got the fill in guys. And 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 you know Joe Sakic uh, played World Juniors and against him a million years ago has done a great job there. You know they're going to have cap problems uh, obviously coming up just like everybody does when you win. And same in Europe. Uh, you know you start winning. Your younger guys want more money and, and moving on and and whatnot as well. So. Okay, that that makes sense. I mean, I, I, Nazem Kadri left for Calgary, so I feel like you could you could be the new Nazem Kadri, just coming in and getting suspended every uh, every playoff. <laughs> well, <I made laughs> Except it for the this year, I made it and this they year. won. There I'm convinced yeah. if he didn't pull that stunt in Toronto for like three years straight, we would have made it past the first round. That's all I'm saying, Kadri. It's on you. You clearly proved <laughs> you suck, and you're amazing at it. I don't know how he did that. He's the only person I know who could do that. But, anyways. Anyways, I have to ask you this was other kind of questions kind of been gnawing at me a little bit. When you hear people doing commentary and they kind of give like the most bland kind of stylistic wording for a, like an amazing play, like let's say Connor McDavid when he just dangled past four defenders in New York and they're like, oh, that was impressive. Do you also want to strangle the commentators or is that just me? <laughs> no, I hear you. You know, at times it's, uh, you know, somehow maybe that's something for hockey right to get get a little more uh, a little more passion and a little more uh, oomph in the commentary guys i mean some of the guys in between periods i think got some good humor and and bring something there but uh, yeah i think that's a scenario where maybe they could could up their game a bit a hundred percent i watched that and i was like this is going to be an nft or it's going to be like in a poster or something this is amazing you got past four new york ranger defenders and mick jesus put it top corner or five hole whatever he did point is he scored and the commentator's like yep that uh, that was impressive <laughs> that was four <laughs> like the the uh that was four edmonton as well like and the new york ranger guys were like yeah that's uh that one was pretty good like, it was just nobody cared because he does it so often and i'm like all right well y'all suck so you don't deserve your jobs. 
Yeah, Mark, I mean, you've lived hockey, right? You're dialed into what's going on. Are there any rookies or maybe any even up-and-comers that you think aren't on people's radars that we should be looking for? Uh, yeah, not off the top of my head. I mean, there's, you know, uh, some drafted guys coming up, uh, you know, Bedard that, that'll go next year really high. I've, I've been following him for a few years. I mean, I, I you know, you can always say can't miss kind of guy. And, and, you know, at times you're, yeah, is he really going to be that good, McDavid or Stamkos or whatever some of these, you know, protégés growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, usually they end up, you know, being that guy, right? So, you know, it'll be interesting, uh, interesting to see how some of these young guys – you know, whether they're stepping in right away and, and showing that dominance or it takes them a while to, to get their feet wet and get going. I mean, there's there's hits and misses, right, all the time in, in pro sports uh, from top to bottom, league to league. So um, be interesting to, to see what happens here in the next few years. And in your time with the Habs, who impressed you most? Um, well, I mean, I think it's the easy answer, but uh, Patrick Waugh. You know, not only, you know, at that time, the on-ice uh, performance, but uh, I never really had played with a goaltender because sometimes they're they're given a rap of being a little bit different or whatever. But yeah. I never played with a goalie that was legitimately a leader on the team like he was. You know, just this, my first training camp, I was 18, came down, and I got a pretty good shot, pretty accurate overall, but I, I popped him in the head, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> So my next like eight shots coming down the ice were right on the ice. Like no way I'm hitting, no way I'm raising this puck. Right? That's right. You know, all of a sudden, you know, it's three goalies out there, and he, he's after about you know whatever it was, six, seven, eight, one. He calls the other goalie into the net, and you know, comes into the corner to me and says, "Hey, you know, Petey was Pete was my nickname. Hey, Petey, you're not helping me shooting on the ice. You're not helping yourself. You know, you got a good shot. You hit me in the head. That's my job." You know, if you hit me in the head five times, then we got a problem, you know. But, uh, you know, just to, to, to give that a rookie 18-year-old that confidence to to come down and do his job as a, as a goal scorer and a shooter, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget that, right? And you just you don't see that that often from a goaltender. So I, I would say that would be the guy. That's a pretty awesome story, actually, because I could imagine you thinking, if I do this once or twice more times, I'm going to go back to the, <laughs> the locker room and get thumped. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get the no, worst hazing sure. ever. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so just recently, like I was driving home. I worked the night shift last night, so I was listening to sports radio on the way home, and they were discussing how in Canada there seems to be a lack of goalie development. Like most of the top goalies are American or European. Do you think that's something that is just a bit of a slump right now, or it's an actual trending problem that we need to address? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question, right? I mean, uh, you know, there are you know a lot more great goalies from around the world in, in in the NHL. I mean, Canadians in the NHL, I think, are still you know leading the way and and whatnot. But you know, certainly there's been uh, been a trend. The Finns have, have really popped out a lot of good goalies. Swedes, uh, you know, the Czechs and and whatnot. Uh, Russian goalies, um, you know, that are the superstars in the league uh, and some young ones as well. But yeah, I mean, why or, or how it's happening that way? I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I just try to score on goaltenders. I'm not trying to get in their heads, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's probably something that uh, that 
Canadian hockey has addressed and and you know like uh, like I said we got goalie coaches uh, working with our program and 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 I'm sure a lot of other programs are as well and there's goalie camps uh, you know straight up goalie camps in the summers and and whatnot so you know it's, it, it probably has been looked at and addressed and yeah hopefully we'll see a few more uh, standouts. I hope so too. I'd like to see a number one goalie come out of pre-late Saskatchewan. That'd be fun. Hey, there's two young kids there that that could go somewhere. It's uh, dad's got a rink uh, in the winter time. He's got a homemade Zamboni that he drives around, and the kids are out there, especially during that COVID time. You know, was was a tough time. So, so you never know. I mean, they're all these small little towns. You know that they've changed. Uh, you know, used to be. You know, if everybody didn't play in the age group, you couldn't have a team together, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, there's a little less population even in those smaller centers. So, you know, our parents are having to drive to a, to a bigger town, half hour, hour away to play. So it's getting, getting tougher in those small communities. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I really hope for the development, and I hope that, uh, you know, DIY projects like homemade rinks can really uh, set a precedent and, kind of get Canada back to where it was in terms of goalie uh, goalie operation. For but sure. uh, Mark, before I let you go, I just have to ask you a couple more questions. They're fun little questions, nothing really related to hockey, and I feel like I might know the answer for these ones, but we ask every guest this. I got one first. Oh, okay, fine, Kobe. Okay, Just a on. quick one, just a quick one. So Mark. Kobe. <laughs> Justin. What's the better movie, Slapshot or Goon? Oh, Slapshot, come on. <laughs> It's going old school. Classic. I actually uh, saw that in the movie theater in whatever, 1979 or 80. My mom knew uh, she probably would shoot me, and hopefully she's not listening here today because the <laughs> truth would come out. But, uh, yeah, you can't you can't beat Slapshot. I mean, those guys are still still around uh, promoting it and uh, making a few bucks off it today. I mean, the classic lines, every every uh, kid in that my generation has seen it a hundred times, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, right on. Uh, so the question I was going to ask was, have you ever had a poutine before? Absolutely. All right. All right. And what is you, your poutine of choice? Oh, that's not a staple and I need to even stay more away from it. But uh, <laughs> um, just your regular poutine is fine with me. Okay. All right. We've had some people on here, even from like Vancouver, that are like, I've never heard of this. What do you call it? And I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? This is why nobody likes yeah. you, Vancouver. Yeah, no, it's it's growing, right? You can get it at flipping A and W and McDonald's now, for God's sakes, out here, which you know never really was heard of uh, 20, 30 years ago out here, but now you see it all over the place. There you go. Hell in Ontario, Tim Hortons now offers pizza again, so that's fun. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to Ontario, the land of what the hell is that? But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, before we go, Mark, how can our fans reach you on social media or anywhere really? Oh, I'm not a super big uh, social media guy. I'm on Facebook, um, PD14, I believe it is, on Instagram. I got to get better at that stuff uh, yeah. for sure and, and, and get the name out there a little bit more and the brand, right? It's it's just the way, uh, you know, society is now. And, and uh, yeah, so there you go. And which skills development uh, organization you work with? Uh, well, I'm with IHA Hockey, so it's uh, the CSSHL, uh, the International Hockey Academy Prep Under 17 in, in Calgary. So teams all across uh, Western Canada and all across Canada 
and we're at a wind sport in in calgary basically we're the i'm staring at the ski jump right now um at the olympic kind of park there in, in the west side of calgary so right on right on good to have you on buddy awesome appreciate uh you having me on as well and uh let's maybe do it again one day for sure and i agree with you by the way it is slap shot yeah I'm, that was a trick question nice <laughs> right. nice i'm proud of you <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com on our website you will find our sports blog full podcast library access to our youtube channel and deals from our affiliate partners you can also sign up to become a psp insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips sponsor giveaways and insider newsletter so don't miss out on the full pro sports podcasts experience where no sport is left behind